John chapter 1 and verse number 4. Um, this morning I want to talk to you about living lit. Living lit. Amen. Lit seems to be a, a term today and um, it has all kinds of different implications. Um, you know, some people would say living lit means you, um, you had a good time at the club. Um, some people say being lit would mean you um, maybe partook of something illegal. Um, but today I want you to flip the switch and, and realize that living lit is something to do with being light. Amen. In, in our world today, John chapter one and verse number four says in him was what life and the life was the what? light of men. You know, two weeks ago, I talked about um, how, to, how to get into your promise and, and, and walking into that land flowing with milk and honey. And then Pastor talked about last week just the, the battle between light and dark. And, and this honestly is something that's been on my heart to share with you, um, actually. And, and I've been sharing it with the youth group too. And then Pastor, what he's sharing, it just all intertwines and connects. And so I just believe that, that God wants to do something in us so great that, that we've not even realized what it means to be lit for the King. Amen. So when Jesus shows up in your life, things come alive. I believe in the miracle working power of God. Do I have any friends in the house of God this morning? I believe he is a God that still desires to bring a night and day difference to our lives. His light turns our night into day. Amen. I don't know if you guys have had that experience. I, I do believe that many of you in this room, if not all of you, have had that moment where you felt darkness. You felt lost. You felt like you were searching for something, and you have that encounter with Jesus Christ, and man, he begins to illuminate your life and show you things that you never thought possible. He begins to show you things that you didn't want to see. Amen. He begins to reveal things in your life but it's for a purpose and for a direction that he wants to take your life. Amen. And so for me, walking out what God has for me is so different than what he has for you. Yet each one is so incredibly important to his kingdom. At the core of what we do individually should be rooted in the same purpose and goal. Think about that. Your calling is, is totally different than mine. I mean, Kyle's trying to be like me a lot. I mean, he's got, he's got the boots on. He's got the, the nice tight jeans. He's, he's got the swag today. You know, he's trying to be like me. Amen. But he'll never attain to, to this. Amen. And, and so I'm just roasting him a little bit this morning. He, he, uh, I actually am trying to be like Kyle. The kids love him. He's an amazing, he, yeah, he does have hair. And, um, but the incredible part is, is for, for Kyle and I, his gifts and his talents are far beyond mine, honestly. He really is an amazing, I mean, the guy can play, he can sing, he can preach, he can, he can cook, he can do all these things. And I'm like, wow, it's amazing what he does. But it's easy for me to begin to think, man, I'm worthless, when I get around Kyle, like I watch him and I'm just like, what's my point in living, right? Like I might as well just let Kyle do everything, you know? And so in the kingdom, we begin to pick up that mindset though, don't we? We begin to go, well, you know, you got Kyle. They don't really need me. 
Amen. And, but that's not the way the kingdom works is our gifts and our talents are so uniquely different, but every single one of them is absolutely necessary for the advancement of the kingdom of God. You may never want to get on this stage and preach the gospel. Amen. But you may want to host a home group because you like to cook and you like to have people around you. Amen. You may not ever, you know, host a home group, but you may want to help park cars so that nobody crashes into each other out in the parking lot. You don't have to talk to anybody. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to know scripture. You just have to be able to point, right, Buck? Isn't that what you just, just go over here, over here, you know, and then be able to have a little thick skin because the Christians come into the church parking lot, you know, saved, right? Like they, they come in and, and they're like loving and they smile and they do exactly what you tell them to do. Like they, they never like, you know, glare at you, point fingers, right, Buck? They do exactly what they're told. So, so maybe that would be your ministry, amen? But the reality is First Peter chapter 2 and verse number 9 says, you are the chosen ones by God. Chosen for the high calling of priestly work. Chosen to be a holy people. God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him. To tell others of the what? Night and day difference he made for you. How many of you have had a night and day difference made in your life? Amen. I mean, isn't that the gospel? Amen. And the lowest level of our Christianity is just that, for us to tell others of the night and day difference that Christ has made in us. Amen. That's what I want to talk about today. What does it mean to be lit for the king? It means that I am not ashamed to tell others of the night and day difference that he's made in my life. I don't know what it means to you to be chosen this morning. How many of you would have a definition of what it means to be chosen? I looked it up. To me, it means to be selected as the best. Say, well, whoa. God doesn't have favorites. Yes, he does. I'm it. Amen? Get on this level. Amen? Or maybe it's Ron sitting there going, Sean's not the favorite. I'm his favorite. Amen? You know, and, and you begin to have this little argument, right? Like, you know, and I, I'm looking over here, and Buck's going, I'm taking notes. I'm the favorite. I already know. Like, I'm connected. And then Dwayne's back there like, God clearly has me as his favorite. Like, you know, and you begin to quit. But the funny part is, is God's heart is so big, there's no favorites. Amen? It just means we're favored by him. What does it mean to be chosen? It means that we have been selected as his best, his elect, his favored. What does it mean for you to be marked by God? It means someone that is singled out for special treatment or recognition. This starts to sound a little exciting, doesn't it? How many of you guys want to be chosen by God? Amen. How many of you want to be marked by God? I want God's favor. Amen. I want him to see me as his best. I want him to see me as somebody that he can flow through in the earth. That's what it means to be God's chosen people. So what this morning does it mean to you to be labeled as one of his? For me, I would summarize it as I am selected, I am favored, and I am singled out. For special treatment by God. How many of you guys want God's special treatment in your life? I know I do. I, I, I ask for it every day. I'm like, God, I need your special treatment in my life today because if I don't have it, um, I'm going to make some mistakes. Amen. If I don't have your special treatment in my life, I am probably not going to survive through today. Amen. But because I'm his chosen, because I'm his favorite, because I am selected by God, I can call on him and say, God, I need you to move mightily in my life. So I am believing today for someone to get a hold of what it means to be chosen. It means that I get to travel a road that's greater than any road I could ever pave for myself. 
Yet why do we allow anything else to tell us otherwise? I want you to begin to picture this scene, and, and I preached two weeks ago on, on the first chapter of, of the book of Judges, and, and Judah takes over, and, um, and he's, God says, you know, continue the conquest. Basically, my hand is before you. My favor is, is ahead of you. Like, go and do business for God. Amen? And, and what did they do? They began to compromise, and instead they felt strong. Hopefully, you guys remember some of this, and if you were sleeping and you didn't make it, you're going to not know this, but they were chosen, and they were appointed to continue the conquest of God, and yet he, they got to that place where they felt strong because God had done these miracles, and then they began to compromise the commandments of God, amen, and they began to keep them as slaves instead of living in victory and, and conquering, but now we get on to Judges chapter 6, and we find that all this compromise, all this turmoil has taken place throughout the book of Judges, and, and the warrior's heart, I would say, was absent in the land passivity had ruled God's people. Think about it today. Like, think about the, the world we live in right now and, and all the turmoil with the elections and, and all these things. Like, just listen to the heart of people. Like, just the who cares heart, right? Like, does it really matter? But yet, if I was listening to a, a podcast yesterday, and, and if you're not listening to the right stuff, you'll, you'll, you'll find that there's no point. Amen. But when you connect with the right things, I was listening, man, and, and he's just talking about these places he's visited around the world and these great moves of God and all these people coming to the Lord. And, and I'm like, wait, that's a whole different spin on, on life than, you know, we're going to the tank and, and life's over and, and what's the point and right. And, and so you got to be careful who you're listening to. Amen. And, and I believe that that's what had happened is the children of Israel got to that place where passivity just ruled their heart. There was no longer warriors in the camp. There was no longer chosen people that saw themselves as God's favorite. Amen. They were people who were like, forget it. Um, what's the point of being lit for the king? Because we're being defeated. Amen. We're, we're being overrun. We're, we're not getting victory. We're, we're losing this battle. God said that this would be our land and yet nothing is happening in our favor. Amen. And, and so you, you find yourself in this place in Judges chapter six. See, the enemy had broke the will of the people. See, when the people forget what belongs to them spiritually, they lose their warrior's heart. God fights for you because you belong to him. But passive behavior results when we forget the things we are called to possess. This morning, I want to ask you, have you lost your inheritance or have you just lost your desire to fight? See, God's promises never return void. Amen. We don't lose out on what God promised. It's just we lose heart in the fight. We lose heart in the battle. I thought what pastor said last week was so great. Darkness is always trying to overtake us, isn't it? Darkness is always there. Yet Jesus said in John chapter one, in him is life. Amen. And that life is the light of all men. Amen. And yet darkness is always trying to overshadow the believer's life. Amen. And, and so we get to this point, Judges chapter six, and finally they just begin to cry out to God. And, and isn't it amazing how we try to do things in our own ability? We try to compromise the gospel. We try to compromise God's commands. And yet he is so gracious and so merciful that, that all it takes is for us to call on him and say, God, we have made a mess of this situation. And it's amazing how gracious and merciful he is. And here we find in Judges chapter 6 and verse number 11, 
says, one day the angel of God came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash. Now here we find that they had cried out to God, and, and I love, there's some, some people in the Bible that, that I love to study, probably because I identify with them the most. Amen? And, and hopefully you have those heroes. Becca has a, a shirt, I think it's coming, what was it, that my, what is it? my squad goals, and it's like Ruth, Esther and, and all these different ones. Like those are the people she wants to be like. Amen. Squad goal. Like if, if you could pick who you get to live with, it'd be like these heroes of the faith, right? So my squad goals would be like David, amen, and, and Gideon, because I just feel like I identify so much with, with, with the battles that they faced as young men. You know, the, the battle of insignificance, the battle of unworthiness, the battle of neglect and rejection and, and all these things. And so I, I love this story because I identify with Gideon so much in this way that here the angel of God comes and sits down under the tree and the, um, that belonged to Joash, the Abizurite, whose son Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress out of the sight of the Midianites. So here you have God's chosen people, right? We read it, right? God's favored, God's elect, God's people that he shows what special treatment to Amen. Think about all the miracles that he did in the Old Testament for them. That is special treatment. Amen. I don't know about you guys, but I love one of the most amazing ones to me is the water coming out of a rock. I mean, come on. You, there, there's some serious favor in your life when you're thirsty and water just begins to come from a rock. I mean, that is like, that is a miracle. Amen. Or, or special treatment when lunch is there from the sky when you need it, or breakfast, or dinner, or whatever you want to call it. Like, that is special treatment. That is undeserved favor. That is God showing his chosen people that he will provide for every need of their lives. And yet, here's Gideon, one of those chosen, special, favored, God's people. And yet, here he is, hiding out from the Midianites. They're surrounded, and he's threshing wheat in a wine press. How many of you guys, I'm not skilled enough to know. I've never been in a... um, a winery, and, and I've never threshed wheat, thank goodness. I know it's got to be dusty and dirty. Just throwing hay bales alone is, is itchy and scratchy, right? Like, how many of you guys have ever just loaded up some hay bales? It gets everywhere. Could you imagine threshing wheat in a wine press? A wine press is where they dumped all the grapes, if I'm correct. Some of you guys might be able to help me a little bit more, but I would liken it under like kind of a, a circle area, and they, they put the grapes in there, and then basically they would, they would stand on it and, and walk on the grapes. Am I correct? and they would smash the juice and it would go to the bottom. There would be screens or whatever and and stuff. So here you have a man that's chosen, God's favored, God's elect, God's favored person, and yet he is hiding in a wine press, not pressing wine, amen, threshing wheat in a closed, confined area because what he's trying to do is he's trying to provide for his family but not get pointed out and not get killed and not get attacked by the Midianites, right? So here he is, I'm God's favorite, but I'm hiding. What is happening? Like you are God's chosen, you are God's favored, you are God's elect, and yet you are hiding from your enemies? That's not living lit. That's not living illuminated, right? We are not called to hunker down and hide out and be God's people and not let the world know who we are. Here he is, threshing wheat in a wine press. And the angel of God appears to him and says, God is with you, oh mighty, what? Warrior. I don't, 
I don't know if you guys understand what a warrior is. I asked the teenagers Tuesday night, what would be a warrior to you? I mean, wh- when you say somebody's a warrior, when, when you look at them, what do you see? Like, how would they carry themselves? How would they act? How would they walk through life? I mean, I think about like this young man that just went into the Air Force and he comes into the gym. And if, if I were to classify somebody as a warrior, that dude is it. Man, he is yoked. Like, I'm like, holy warrior. Like, he is just lean, mean, fight machine. Like, to me in, in my flesh, I would classify like a warrior, somebody that is stripped down, ready to fight, and not going to give up on any battle. They are destined to win, right? Like, they are not going to succumb to any challenge. They are just going to look at any enemy in the eye and be like, I am taking you. I don't care what you got on the inside of you. I make fun of Dwayne because he does this kung pao tai chi wee wee thing right and and he's always trying to do his fancy moves on me and i'm like Dwayne, i'm gonna take you like i don't need all that stuff and he's like oh no, 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 no. and i'm like i got the power of the holy spirit right like that's all i need and he's like what i don't have it i'm like no i got it greater right so we have this little joke right well that's a warrior's like somebody that's not moved in their heart based on the opposition that's against them and here's gideon i don't think i would call gideon mighty Would you guys, I mean, would you classify this guy as somebody that was mighty? He is hiding. Like, I'm just threshing wheat so that nobody can find me, right? Like getting itchy, scratch. Could you imagine like the dust and the itch and the scratchiness of of being in this wine press? I don't know. I get like that. Like, I can't handle it. Yesterday, I'm at the soccer out in the sun and I'm sweating. I'm like, oh, get me out of here. Like, I am such a diva. Amen. I would not, I would starve before I thresh. I'm just being honest. I'm sorry. And I would not thresh wheat in a wine press. I am sorry. Like, that would be miserable. That is not mighty. That is cowardly. Amen? That is not what we would classify as a mighty person in the world today. That is somebody that we would classify as a coward. Amen? And yet, here is one of God's chosen people. And God says, look, God is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon replied, with me, my master? With me. You're talking to this guy, the guy that's hiding in the wine press right now. He, he goes on to say, if, if God is with us, why has all of this happened to us? Where are all of the miracles, the wonders our parents and grandparents told us about and keep telling us? Didn't God deliver us from Egypt? The fact is, God has nothing to do with us. Hold on a minute. This is one of God's chosen, one of God's elect. These are God's people. And listen to what passivity has done to his heart. Look at what taking for granted who their God really is has done in their heart. Who is this God that our grandparents told us about? Who is this God that our fathers told us about? Where, Where are you, God? Amen? And so many times we're so quick to point the finger at God, instead of recognizing that we probably should look at the four, you know, they say one finger pointing that way is four back this way. That's so true. Amen. It it wasn't that God neglected them. It wasn't that God turned his heart from them. It's that, that they turned their heart from him. They turned from what it meant to be chosen. They turned from what it meant to be lit for the king. They turned to to themselves, to their own strength, to their own ability. They started trying to make life work. They got comfortable in their Christianity and started compromising the call and and what God had asked of them to do. And now here they go. They forgot about all that. 
He said, but God has turned us over to Midian. But God faced him directly. He said, go in this strength that is yours. Save Israel from Midian. Haven't I just sent you? Gideon said to him, me, my master? How and with what could I ever save Israel? Look at me. My clan's the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the runt of the litter. Think about this for a minute. How many times do we begin to discredit what God is asking us? Because we're looking at ourselves and everybody else around us to determine what God can do through us. That's why I was making those little jokes in the beginning about Kyle, because that's where we live. Is Gideon just went right, he just went right for the throat. He says, God, what do you mean? I, I'm the runt. I'm, I'm the one that, there's no way you can, I'm, my clan is the weakest. There's, there's no way, look at me. I'm hiding in a wine press threshing wheat. If I was a strong and mighty warrior, I'd be out here flexing my guns, stomping on the ground, threshing wheat like I'm supposed to, not afraid of the enemies around my life. But that just proves that God always sees something different in his people than we ever see in ourselves. God always sees something different in every single one of us. Even though you question God, he still sees a mighty warrior. He still sees a person of significance. He still sees a person of influence. He still sees a person that can shed light on darkness. See, the light of Jesus brings to surface the true nature of who we really are. Gideon is a great example of someone that got lit and it changed the whole course of his life. Look about that. The, the angel appears unto him, shines light down on him, and begins to expose who he really is. Amen. When you encounter Jesus, when you come into his presence, when you stand in worship today, man, I'm standing there just worshiping, and I look up, and I'm like, I'm like bawling my eyes out. I'm like, God, your presence is amazing. Like at that moment, my morning shifted. Amen. I, I no longer was worried about anything for the rest of this day. I wasn't worried about your faces for the first service. Just being silly. Amen. I wasn't worried about the thoughts that were going through my head because this morning I'm going to be transparent. I had a lot of thoughts going through my head this morning. I had a lot of thoughts all weekend, man. I've been trying to study. I've been trying to pray. I've been starving myself, calling it fasting because I'm like, God, I need to hear your voice. Amen? God, I, I need to be able to speak your word, and, and I'm being transparent because some of you need to hear this this morning. I'm fighting for my life. I'm like, God, am I supposed to even preach? Am I even supposed to be doing this? And, and yet the enemy in this darkness is trying to overshadow me, and there was that one moment this morning where all of a sudden it all shifted because light came into this room, and his presence came into this place, and it changed everything. And all of a sudden, I no longer felt disqualified. I felt empowered to do what God has called me to do. Amen? And some of you need to hear that this morning. There's times where, where you're going to be hiding. There's times where you're not going to feel qualified. You're not going to feel gifted enough, talented enough. But there's those moments in God's presence. Why do I get in his presence every day? Why do I read his word every day? Why do I pray every day? Because it's in that moment that you never know when the shift might take place. But as long as I'm staying lit by the king, my life will be forever changed. See, when I think about the potential that we have in ourselves individually, and I think about the potential we have in ourselves corporately, I get a little bit giddy. I'm not going to lie. I was watching the video again from the backpack giveaway. I'm just like, we are, I was, I was golfing with, with one of the guys in our church on Friday, and I was like, man, I got to watch the video, and I was just excited because I saw these faces. 
And I saw these families. And I saw the people that served. You know what blessed me the most was, not the most, I shouldn't say that. You can't, you can't put levels on that. But our people, the, the smiles on our people serving and loving our community. And I was like, I was telling Robert, I'm like, man, we're not a very big church at all. And for us to do what we did, like we have a, a church friend down in Sacramento, they're going to give away a thousand backpacks, but they're like at least almost 10 times larger than we are. And I'm just like, God, look at what we're doing with what we have. And then we're being faithful stewards with what God has trusted us with. And, and I get a little bit excited when I begin to think about if God can take a man in a wine press and call him a mighty warrior, what can he do with you and I when we're like, we're just trying to live for Jesus already? What, what more can he do in your family? What more can he do with your kids and your grandkids? What more can he do in your workplaces and in your neighborhoods? See, what has Christ done in you that could be considered a miracle? You know, I read that in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 9. It says that we're his instruments to do his work and speak out for him to tell others of the night and day difference. The lowest level of your Christianity is to just tell other people of what he's done in us. Say, well, I don't know. My life feels so overshadowed with darkness. And the Bible says in Psalms chapter 23 and verse number 4, it says, yea, though I walk through what? The valley of the shadow of death. Or the valley of darkness, I will fear no evil. For you are what? With me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with coconut oil, and my cup runs over. I put some on my head this morning. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. That's why I have this glow. All the days of my life, and I will what? Dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David understood what it meant to be chosen. David understood what it meant to be favored. David understood what it meant to be God's elect. Amen. Do we have that same ability or do we get in those moments of darkness and begin to go, God, why have you forsaken me? When the whole time God's saying, mighty warrior, go fight, win. Amen. I was uh, watching the Olympics and um, it's kind of funny. I, I've, I had this, a lot of this written out and um, thinking about the depth of of our insignificance only comes from within. Amen. It, it doesn't come from the word of God. Amen. No, nothing about your insignificance comes from the word of God. Everything about your insignificance comes from yourself. Amen. And, and I, I have this picture. Don't put it up just yet, Luke. But how many of us discredit ourselves not based on the word of God, but based on our past, based on our experiences, based on our failures. But what God has for you should never be reduced to imitating others or allowing your value to be determined by how you measure up to someone else. Think about it. We, we discredit our value in the kingdom of God because we're not doing what, what Bill Bingham does. Right? We, we begin to, to discredit our value because we're not doing what somebody else is doing, but are you doing what God's asked you to do? Amen. Are you, are you doing what you're gifted to do? There's some of you that should be up here singing. 
There's some of you that should be up here playing. There's some of you that should be serving in a classroom. There's some of you that should be parking cars. There's some of you that should be hosting home groups. There's some of you that should be organizing our next evangelistic outreach. There's some of you that should be going on missions trips. There's some of you that should be doing X, Y, Z, but you're spending your life hiding in the wine press, discrediting the fact that you're chosen, discrediting the fact that God can use you because you're worried about the darkness that's around you when God said, you are my child, you are light, you are not supposed to be overcome with darkness. I love this picture. I saw this and it just like, maybe you've seen this. I don't know what it did to you, but here's Michael Phelps. They call him the goat. And I didn't know what that meant for a long time. Does anybody know what that means? When they call somebody a goat, I'm like, why would you call somebody like that a goat? Like, to me, that's like, you're like, you know, discredit. I'm like, a goat? Like, I would never want to be called a goat, right? Like, so they put like these little goat emojis next to his name and stuff. I'm like, that's not like, that's, I don't know. Anyways, but it means the greatest of all time. And, And I began to see this picture and I don't know how many of you guys have been watching the Olympics at all, watching the swimming. These guys are phenomenal. Like, I don't think they ever come out of the water to breathe. I'm like, I'm thinking, man, two strokes. I'm like, <gasps> like, and I'm sucking water in. And this guy, man, he is just locked and loaded, right? Well, here is the guy in the green cap was actually supposed to beat him, was favored to win, right? And, and here's Phelps, and he's just like, I am determined to to win. Amen. I am determined to get to the finish line first. I am determined to fulfill, let's put it in our Christian life. I am fulfilled to reach the destiny and I am driven to get to the place where God has called me to go. I am chosen to be the greatest swimmer of all time. If you don't have that mindset when you jump in the pool, you might as well not even put on your swimsuit. Amen? Because that, I guarantee that that is the mindset. There is no defeat in their mind right now. There is absolutely no way he is jumping in that pool thinking, I may end up second. I mean, the guy won a gold medal, goes and collects it, and jumps back in the pool all within 30 minutes. I mean, this guy is determined to do something great with his life. And yet us Christians go, man, I don't know if I can serve in church for an hour. Man, I just, my life is so busy and so full of things, and... I need to, like, vacuum. (laughs) I guarantee that these guys are not thinking about anything other than obtaining their dreams, fulfilling their goals, fulfilling what they feel. I guarantee if you talk to Michael Phelps, he felt called to be the greatest swimmer that's ever jumped in the water. What do you feel called to do? What are you willing to to sacrifice? What are you willing to put on the line? What are you willing to face in adversity in order to get to where God has called you to go? I love this picture because it depicts so much more than that, doesn't it? I don't know if you guys have watched the other guys besides Michael Phelps, but that's not normal. Everybody that's in that pool is fixed on the finish line. But this is why this guy lost. Because he started looking to the opposition. He started focusing on what was against him. Oh, mercy. Instead of what was ahead of him. And he lost sight 
of what he felt destined to accomplish with his life because he was so worried about the guy in the other lane. I put up a couple of these I, I saw. People were sharing this picture all over and asking to caption. You can't be successful always wanting to be in someone else's lane. Chew on that for a minute. Winners focus on winning and haters focus on winners. Or losers focus on winners. Maintain your focus straight ahead and let nothing steer you away. You know, we're talking about being lit for the king. What does darkness come into your life to do? To get your eyes off of the goal and focus on everything else that's going on around your life. But, but yet God says, you're my chosen people. You're my elect. You're the ones that I want to do something significant through. You're the ones that are to share the night and day difference with what Christ has done in your life. And yet all we're worried about is vacuuming this afternoon. I don't know why I'm sharing that. Somebody in here is worried about the, their carpet at home. But all, all we're worried about is all these superficial things that, you know what, you're going to replace the carpet in a couple of years. Just let it go to pot. I'm kidding. Just kidding. Amen. But isn't it funny, the things that we allow to distract us from the goal that God has for our life, and they pull on us, and they strip away from us, and yet we're supposed to be God's chosen elect people shining light in darkness, and yet we're so focused on the opposition that we're missing what God could do through us. Too many people never reach their God-given purpose because they're wasting their days looking at everyone else around them. I've had to find my identity in Christ and Christ alone. See, the world says that you must be first, you must be the best, the richest, the most liked. And I love this. There was another swimmer, and his name was Nathan, I think Adrian. He was favored to win first place. And uh, he lost. He got second. He gets out of the pool. I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen this guy. I mean, he just grins from ear to ear. He is just, I'm like, man, that guy, I want him to rub off on me because that guy is just happy to be breathing oxygen. Amen? And, and so the reporter, and, and I, I'm sharing this on purpose because life is all about if you're not first, if you're not the best, if you're not the brightest, if you're not the most successful, then you're worthless. And, and, and he gets out of the pool, and the reporter goes up to him. What happened out there? Are, are, are you sad that, are you bothered you didn't win the gold? And he just smiles. He goes, what are you talking about? He goes, I got a gold medal, or I mean a silver medal in the Olympics. He goes, he goes, I don't have anything to be upset about. I gave it my best, and that's what I got. He goes, I made some mistakes, but you know what? I'm walking home with a silver medal. Yet so many times as Christians, we, we don't reach the place that we want to think we should be or have what we think we should have so we begin to to discredit that maybe we're not God's favorite maybe God doesn't want to use us maybe God can't flow through me and and so instead of enjoying the fact that I'm being used by God I thought that was such a beautiful illustration of a young man that was like I am just blessed to be at the Olympic Games and win a silver medal see this morning you're not called to control every situation of your life. You're called to trust. Amen. You're just called to trust. That's all it is. Luke, if you could 
put that up. You know, John 1.4 says, in him, not in the worship team, not in the pastor, not in the people around you, but in him is life. See, our value can never be based on who you know. Your value is based on the one you know. I think that guy lost sight of his value. Amen? He, he, he began to focus on the wrong things. But John chapter 1 and verse number 3, if the worship team could come back. I love that in Judges chapter 6, you know, regardless of the blatant disregard for God's commands and his promises, his love for his people always shines through like he did in Gideon's life. First John chapter 3 and verse number 2 says, But friends, that's exactly who we are. We are children of God. And that's only the beginning. Who knows how we'll end up. But the fact that we are children of God, just let that resonate in your heart for a little bit. That if you've asked Jesus Christ to be the Savior of your life, can I encourage you this morning, you are chosen. You're a child of God. And that's just the beginning. That's not the end. That's just the beginning. And God says, who knows how we'll end up. But what we know is that when Christ is openly revealed, we get to see him. Amen? We, and in seeing him, we become like him. This morning, can I encourage you that you're a child of God. You're chosen. You're handpicked. You're favored. You're elect. You don't have to allow defeat to be the option for your life. See, this morning as I close, the children of Israel spent more time focusing on who was against them instead of focusing on who was with them. And I mean, this is a real battle. I mean, I face it every day. I, I was being totally transparent. I'm honest to goodness. Man, I, I went to soccer practice Friday. I was at a tournament yesterday, and I never do that. I took my computer. I took my stuff, my music. I had my headphones on. I had worship on. I'm like checked out from people. Like, I am not that way. I'm like social butterfly. Like, if I'm around people, I'm like, eh. right? Like, I, and, and I'm like, I felt guilty because I was so like in my own world. Because I was struggling with whatever I was dealing with in my spirit and in my mind and in my thoughts. And yet I'm, I'm preparing this message that I'm a child of God. I'm chosen. I'm favored. And yet I'm struggling to feel like God could even use me. But I had to find a way to, to get to the place where I say, God, I need to focus more on who's with me then what's against me? And I love this verse in Hebrews chapter 10. It says, remember, in verse 35, I like the Message Bible, and 
I'm careful because sometimes they take stuff out. But I think this is a good representation of what the author was trying to say. It says, remember those early days after you first saw the light. Those are the hard times. Kicked around in public, target of every kind of abuse. Some days it was you and other days your friends. If some friends went to prison, you stuck by them. If some enemies broke in and seized your goods, you let them go with a smile, knowing they couldn't touch your real treasure. Nothing they did bothered you, and nothing set you back. So don't throw it all away now. You were sure of yourselves then, and it's still a sure thing, but you need to stick it out. The King James Bible says that the just shall live by faith. Staying with God's plan so you'll be there for the promised completion. It won't be long now. He's on the way. He'll show up most any minute. But anyone who is right with me thrives on loyal, what? Trust. If he cuts and runs, I won't be very happy. But we're not quitters who lose out. Amen. How many can say in this room today, I'm not a quitter. Amen. I'm not going to lose out. Oh, no. We'll stay with it and survive trusting all the way. Come on. Can you give God some praise in the house this morning? The surest way to overcome your enemy is to always remember where you've come from and what Christ has done in you. I love this man. God, Jesus sets the, the, the demon-possessed man free. And in Mark chapter 5 and verse 20, man, the demon, he goes, he's, he's like set free and all this stuff. And now he goes, go and tell what's been done in you that all, you ready for this? Luke, put it up, please. Pay attention. That all would, what? marvel at what Christ has done in their life. Can I tell you this morning, there's people in your life today that need to be marveled by the light and night and day difference that Christ has made in your life. But you have to recognize that darkness is trying to stop you, but light is trying to shine out of you. And there are people that need to be marveled by the goodness of God. We don't need it. Who cares who the next president is if we Christians aren't marveling those around us in our life? Sorry, I'll just preach to myself. You can stand to your feet this morning. I challenge you this week to share that with somebody. As a believer, it's not about who's with you. It's all about who's for you. I, I posted this the other day. Laughing at the enemy is a sport I'm learning to enjoy. Did you, did you hear that this morning? Laughing at the enemy is a sport I'm learning to enjoy. It's not easy to laugh at the enemy sometimes, but I almost am to the point now where I just laugh. I'm just like, cool. Good for you, dude, because this is what God's called me to do. This is where God's called me to go. This is the promise that God's given to my life. This is the miracles that God's done in my life. I am chosen. I am favored. I am God's elect, and I am not going to be moved from the right or the left because I'm going towards the finish line. I am moving towards my eternal destiny, and I'm not going to look at what's going on in the other lane because God has given me a promise this morning. Bow your heads this morning, please. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 31, it says, what then shall we say to these things? 
if God is for us, who can be against us? Father, I thank you today that as we sing, I think there's some in this room that could identify with Gideon. Man, they, they, they've questioned God. Where's the, where's the miracles that our forefathers talked about? Where's the, where's the, the miracles that we've read about? Where's the miracles that, that pastor <laughs> tells us will take place? Where's the, where's the miracles in my life? Where's the testimony? Where's the night and day difference that you have for my life? But God, today, I believe, as we're saying that there's no one higher, there's no one greater, there's no one like our God, that, Father, I thank you today that you saw value where others saw worthlessness. You saw a warrior where others saw a coward. God, you see victory when all we see is defeat. Come on, friend, if that's you this morning and you just say, man, I have felt like I am hiding in a wine press. I have felt like my life has no significance. I have felt like defeat is the only option for my life. I've been looking at others and, and questioning God. God, do you even love me? God, are you even there for me? But I am here to tell you today that you are God's chosen. You are God's elect. You are God's favored in this place today. And you need to start walking as God's favored. You need to start walking as God's elect. And you need to start sharing the good things that God has done in your life so that those around you will marvel at his goodness, marvel at his power in Jesus' name. Let's worship God for a moment and then we'll pray. Amen. Go ahead, guys. Please lead us. Maybe you need to connect with God for a moment. Maybe you need to come to this altar, and maybe you need prayer. You've been struggling. I'll pray with you this morning. Amen.